Well, good morning. Thanks, Amelia, and thanks for the welcome, Andy. Great joy to be back here, and a, certainly a great privilege for me to be able to share from God's Word. When I first came here, I had uh, browny hair. It turned grey while I was here, and now it's white. It says a lot about retirement. It's really good, but it can be a very challenging time as well. I do bring uh, greetings from my wife, Jan, for those of you who know her, and I thank you on her behalf for praying for her. She's had a, a new hip put in. She was desperately keen to come today to be with you, to worship with you. She loves coming here, as I do, and she just wanted to say thank you. Probably a week or two too early for her to come out. She's yet to return to our own church down in Bulleye, but she's doing really well. I understand you've been doing a series on worldliness and when I was asked to, to conclude the series on worldliness, Nathan gave me an opportunity not to or to choose something else. But as I pondered the text that uh, he gave me, I thought I needed to do this, not because you needed to hear this, but because I needed to hear this. Worldliness to me is a great and so the sermon this morning is a little bit different because I want to reflect on a song that I learnt at Beach Mission many years ago. It goes like this. If you want to, you can put your fingers in your ears because I'm going to sing it. And I've been practising and I get very embarrassed singing in public because I never do it. But it goes like this. Joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart, from the castle of my heart. From the castle of my heart, joy is the flag thrown high from the castle of my heart, where the king is in residence there. So let it fly in the sky, let the whole world see, let the whole world know, let the whole world know. So let it fly in the sky, let the whole world know that the king is in residence there. Thank you for not going. This is why Sam Coe never let me sing at the front. He said, no, Pastor Steve, you just keep away. If there is one truth that I want you to take home today, it's this. The king is in residence in your heart. The king is in residence in your inner being. And who is this king? This king is your creator God. He is the one true and living God. He is the God of Abraham, of Isaac and Jacob. He is God, the architect and sustainer of life. He is God victorious. And he is a holy God who on the day of your coming to salvation came to take up residence in your heart. Bible text this morning, it's only very short, is certainly very clear on this and this leads me to our very first point for today. Recognise brothers and sisters that God lives in you. And I guess we need to set the scene as we conclude this series on worldliness. Paul is instructing the Christians in the church in Corinth on a number of difficult issues. He is chiefly targeting, as this is a theme right through 1 Corinthians, on divisions in the church family 
and how these divisions developed. Of course, sin is at the heart of the division where worldly thinking and behaviour reigns supreme. Immorality in in its various forms, favouritism, even lawsuits, greed, dubious business practices, slander, drunkenness, idolatry and certainly sexual sin, to name a few, are highlighted by Paul in his endeavour to redirect the Christians back into holy living. And then after stressing these conflict-ridden behaviours, he poses the question in the first verse of our text today, verse 19, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Bingo, there it is. There you have it. Think on it a moment. This is absolutely extraordinary. Mind-blowing to me, in fact. Paul teaches this same point elsewhere and no better so than in Colossians chapter 1, verses 25, 26 and 27. Let me read it to you. He says, I, Paul, have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, that's us, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is, get it, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, this mystery is the fact that Christ indwells the follower of Jesus. This is why your inner being is likened to a holy temple. It is because the sinless one has taken up residence in your innermost part, the place that makes you tick, that place where every action you take and every thought you have has its birth, your heart. Did not Jesus tell his disciples that this would be the case? John records this at uh, chapter 14, verse uh, 26. He says, but the counsellor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. Paul states it ever so clearly in his counsel again to the Corinthian Christians. They were slow learners, like somebody else I know. In his second letter, where in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, he announces, Now it is God who makes both us, and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, put his seal of ownership on us, and put his Holy Spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So have you grasped hold of this incredible truth? The King of Kings, not just any king, the King of Kings is in residence in the castle of your heart. And tragically and sadly, like every other castle that has ever been built down through history, it is under siege from an enemy that longs to come in and capture and control that sacred place of yours, your very heart. And so this brings me to the second point of recognition this morning. Recognise that your heart is under siege. Come with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, where Paul teaches us 
for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It is clear to me that within the castle of our heart that spiritual warfare is not just going to happen, it's guaranteed to happen. James declared in his letter, chapter 4, verse 1, he says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Satan is undoubtedly, and may I say strategically, seeking to sow desires of discord in all its destructive forms within your heart. Perhaps, and it may be helpful, if we go back to that magnificent and beautiful garden that God created for Adam and Eve. They had everything they needed for a life of amazing and incredible blessing. But Satan entered that pristine and, dare I say it, holy home of Adam and Eve, and the battle for their hearts commenced. So come with me to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, where I believe we gain much insight into the ways and means of our adversary, that is Satan. And the first part of verse 1 says, Now the serpent, that is Satan, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. So brothers and sisters, note the following words, because the question Satan poses is one that he uses over and over again to you and me many times every single day. He asks Eve, did God really say you must eat, not eat from the, uh, any tree in the garden? And Eve answers the question saying, well, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. Then the crafty serpent throws out the statement, oh, you will surely not die for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Doesn't this sound somewhat familiar to you as we live this life in this world? Is this what you hear in similar terms or from the media in its various forms? Don't you hear it from politicians and teachers and lecturers at university? Perhaps even within your family, amongst your friends, your work colleagues, your fellow students? I know that I do, and it never lets up. In other words, the question that comes up time and time again is, did God really say that? Did he really mean that? You're not going to die if you do this, Steve. Don't be stupid. I am constantly challenged to ignore God's teaching commands on holy living because they say he will not punish me. It's all okay. Or so they say. But I say to you, oh dear friends, the battle rages around the castle of my heart. And I ask the question, is it the same for you, day in and day out? If so, recognise who lives in the castle of your heart and recognise who wants to besiege it. For the battle is real and it is deadly and you could lose if you're not careful. 
So what do we do in this world? Well, I think I need to remind you that God is the one who has placed us in this world. He has created something that is absolutely remarkable, something for us to enjoy together, something that can bring such so much blessing as we look through his eyes at the wonder of his creation. He also created us as a people. To live as families and to live in community. And he pronounced when he completed his creation that it was good, in fact it was very good. So why is it that life can be so difficult living in this world that God created so masterfully? Well, I guess we need to look at God's world from two perspectives. Firstly, the world that he created in all its wonder. And secondly, the world that he allowed humanity to destroy for the cravings of their hearts. You know, John in his first letter writes to us uh, and lets us know ever so graphically how this latter world uh, really is. When he says in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, he says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has, do does, what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Well, there you have it. How do we live in this world? And Paul, again, in his counsel to the Corinthian Christians, raises the thought that, well, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. He says everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. We live in this world, God has placed you in it, and there's no escaping it. We cannot hide from it, nor should we. Cutting ourselves off from the world or hiding from it in the monastery is not the answer. It is there for us to enjoy and be blessed as we walk with the Lord, serving him until he calls us to our rightful home in glory. So whilst here on earth, we need to be proactive in seeking to walk that narrow path that leads to glory. When I was in Africa as a missionary, I learnt a little African proverb. It goes like this. If there is a crack in the wall of your hut, a snake will come in. That actually happened to our house in Nairobi in Kenya. We lived in this old stone house and there were cracks in it. And one night I was in the bath, had this beautiful big bath. And it was one of the joys of the day. Come out of the dirty slums, I'd lay in this bath, and next minute I hear a scream from uh, Jan and the boys. A snake is in the house! <laughs> and so what did I do? Jumped up with not a stitch on, found a tomahawk with a little axe, and ran out to where they said the snake was. You think I could see the snake? Probably took one look at me and took off. But we never found the snake, but it came in. I don't know where it went to. But as I ponder this little African pot proverb, I ask myself the question, what cracks are apparent in my castle's heart? 
And I've been pondering this as I walk each day. Where are the cracks, Steve? And then it finally come to me. I found two, but there's probably many more. Let me tell you what they are. They are my eyes, there are two of them. And my ears, and there are two of them too. These are the cracks in my heart. It's interesting, isn't it? You see, and this leads me to the third piece of counsel that I want to share with you this morning. It has to do with the process of review. What you allow to enter your heart through the eyes and the ears and who knows what else. Let us never forget who resides in our heart. Who is it? It's the Holy Spirit. And I place emphasis on that first part of his name, Holy and the trouble for me is that these little cracks, and in particular my eyes, allow all sorts of good and not so good things and less than edifying images into this very special place. The good things are often outweighed by the not so good things. However, the not so good things leave a stain or scar on my memory that often leads to sinful attitudes and for me sinful behaviour let me be honest and these normally manifest themselves as covetous thoughts discontent with what God has given me sometimes anger sometimes greed and sadly even lustful feelings Not so good coming from a pastor, is it? But that's the truth. So where do these images come from? Anywhere, and that's the problem for me. It could be whilst I'm out walking along the beautiful coast of Bulli, I see these magnificent multi-million dollar houses and the cars that go with it and the beautiful people that walk by me every single day. And certainly when I'm looking on the internet, looking for different things or watching television or even reading a book, how do I deal with what my eyes focus on? Do I implement what Jesus' remedy was? You know, the one in Matthew chapter 5, verse 29? If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Is that what I should do? My goodness, I would have had to do it as a boy. A young boy at that. The battle with sin started then. Such drastic action. And I'd have to cut off my ears too. Because these little appendages to my body allow all sorts of things into my heart. Some things I listen to can on one hand bring much joy and satisfaction to my inner being. But they can also lead me into terrible sin. And of course bring much grief to the person of the Holy Spirit that lives within the castle of my heart. Sin such as gossip and slander poor language, constant criticism, unwholesome talk, anger and a host of other things. And Jesus says it so bluntly in Matthew 5 verse 19, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. So how can I deal with these troublesome matters that want to enter the obvious cracks of my castle through my eyes, through my ears? It is ever so difficult. Perhaps I could use my noise cancellation headphones. 
for this. This would be good, wouldn't it? Now I don't see anything. I don't hear anything. I am useless. I can't continue on. This is not the answer, although I see people walking around and on the trains with these on all the time, probably listening to something, most probably a lot of nonsense, but they could be listening to podcasts, godly podcasts, so I better not judge too much. But I better take them off, I can't hear myself talk. Of course I'm not going to use those. But I am telling you it's very, very difficult being a Christian in this world today. I've been on the Christian walk for 50 years this year and I still struggle. Why? Because the siege for my heart continues this day. The battle rages and my enemy is not happy with my desire to strive after purity of thought, action and deed. No, he wants my very soul. But he's not going to win. I belong to the king. I've been bought at a price. I have the Holy Spirit living within me and he is no wimp. You understand what a, a wimp is? Weak and powerless. No. In a moment I will provide you some guidance to help you in your journey with the Holy God. But for now, you simply need to ask him who resides in your heart to help you at these times of temptation when those images come in. And what I also want to uh, challenge you with is to think about using a, a sieve or a, a filter to screen out the nasties that can enter through our eyes and our ears. It certainly will take having the fruit of the Spirit active in our daily lives. You know the ones listed in five, uh, Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and the big one for me, self-control. Boy, I wish I had self-control. It is a fruit. I believe it is a gift, but we can work at it. We need to be proactive in exercising self-discipline in the things we watch, the things we read or look at. My goodness, there's so many things on the television in retirement you can sit down and watch the telly. It's a waste of time, but I have been watching YouTube. I think Andy... Um, uh, boys introduced me to Jacob it was you I visited your place and I said what are you watching on TV he said YouTube and I thought what's YouTube I now know what YouTube is it takes up a lot of time and there's a lot of nonsense there but some of that nonsense I enjoy my goodness deal with it you see for me I need and you need to recognize what things will lead us into sinful thoughts and behaviors we need to cut these from our sight don't believe Satan's lie in asking you the question, did God really say no to these sinful behaviours? Of course he said no, because these sinful behaviours always lead to often horrendous, uncomfortable and often tragic consequences. They are uh, sin and, and that are at great odds with holy living and they are an abomination to the king who resides within us. So what are these practical helps that I found crucial to my daily walk with the Lord? Well, first one, remember to pray. I've already touched on this one action. Call out to the living or powerful. 
all-knowing and all-sustaining God to help you when you are watching or listening to something that is going to enter your heart and lead you to sin and bring chaos and heartache to your inner being. It is that simple. But it is often the last thing we think of, isn't it? And sadly, the last thing we act upon. Remember that you are in a great spiritual battle and you cannot fight this alone. And who better to have as our representative than the Creator God himself in the form of the Holy Spirit? And I love how Paul puts it in his words of exhortation to the Philippian Christians in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. He says, this is teaching on, on anxiety. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, which includes the sin that's going to come into your life if you don't deal with it, by, being, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And look at this. And the peace of God, that's right, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Did you pick up the last sentence? It's wonderful. God will guard your heart. Staggering. Never forget who resides in your heart. Never forget that there is a battle raging for control of your heart. Never forget to review what you are allowing into your heart. Never forget to call out to the all-powerful God to help you in this daily challenge of living lives that are pleasing to him. Secondly, remember, go to God's word for counsel. I guess you're saying, come on, Pastor Steve, teach us something that we don't know. We hear this all the time from Pastor Nathan, from Pastor Ernest. Give us something that we don't know. Well, I confess, I am a simple man. But in my life's experience of 50 years of walking with God, I do not know any better ways to address the issues of seeking a life, uh, to live a holy life that is pleasing to the Lord and one that honours who is in residence in my heart. Pray, read God's word. And Paul again gives me very wise counsel in the verses following the ones in Philippians that we've just considered. He says in verses 8 and 9, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, do what? Think about these things whatever you have learned or received or heard from me that is Paul or seen in, in him put into practice and what happens and the God of peace will be with you this is what we are to focus on when the rubbish that flows from our iPhones, our iPads, our computers our televisions, our books, our magazines, our radios our podcasts and the various forms of social media, my goodness. Flood your mind with these wonderful godly thoughts and of course explore the scriptures further to help guard your heart from the siege that, is un that it is under on a daily basis. So my final point for this morning. Remember to meet together I cannot speak more highly than the need for us to meet together not only for worship and time, worship like this in big groups and in smaller groups, 
but for one-on-one -on -one times of fellowship, I was so encouraged seeing that picture of the men meeting together and probably breaking into smaller groups to talk about one of our big problems, sexual sin. You see, it is at these times, hopefully, your mind and inner being is being challenged in godly ways. You see, most of our waking hours is spent in the world with worldly, ungodly people who have little or no regard for godly and biblical truth. Our eyes and our ears are constantly being bombarded with thoughts and practices and behaviours, styles of living that are at odds with the person who lives in our heart. And tension builds, I know. 50 years it builds on a daily basis in, unless I put these things into practice. And the battle commences and soon we are being tossed to and fro by the waves of unadulterated worldliness that is harmful to us in so many ways. Meet together. <coughs> Discuss the challenges, the temptations and behaviours that are in direct opposition to living a life that brings great blessing to us in godly ways. Gee, it's hard out there. But together, we who are on the same page will gather strength and together with the Holy Spirit as our strength and guide we'll take on Satan and his armies and we will have victory. So precious family, I call you family because you are my brothers and sisters whom I love. Recognise who lives in you. Recognise that your heart is under siege. Review what is coming into your heart through your eyes and ears. Filter them and rid yourself of the pollutant rubbish that so easily enters and entangles you. Remember to call out to the great and all-powerful God through the Holy Spirit. Remember to seek counsel from God's wonderful word. And finally, remember to do this together as a corporate body, as a small group and one-on-one, -on -one, as dear friends seeking to spur each other on toward holiness as we battle with worldliness on a daily basis. Victory is assured. Be brothers and sisters in Christ. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to ponder your word of who lives in our hearts. My goodness, it's you in the form of the Holy Spirit. Father, help us deal with the battle that is raging even now for our hearts. We know that Satan will not let up till he has victory. But Father, for us, there will be no victory for him because you will sustain us. You will not let us go. You love us that much. But help us have that self-control and be disciplined to call out to you and to read your word and meet together as we seek to bring honour to who lives in our heart, you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for having me today. It's been a great joy.